Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're feeling well and you had a good week. Um, mine, I, I cannot remember like an hour ago when I try and think of what I did over the course of the previous week. Anytime I try and remember, I have to look at my literal calendar to figure it out. But I had um, a pretty good one, I guess. Um, I celebrated Galentine's Day, which I have to say is one of my favourite uh, developments of recent years. The celebration of Galentine's uh, originally from Park and recreation um of course if you know you know um but I basically just love any excuse to kind of celebrate gals in general get my brilliant pals together and enjoy each other's company um so that was fun did that over the weekend um and then other than that just kind of trying to keep going in this godforsaken life no I'm joking but uh yeah just putting one foot in front of the other uh, I want to say thank you again to everyone who signed up for the Patreon um just massively grateful to you for supporting this work uh there'll be another bonus episode going up early next week this time it's the mailbag episode which means I respond to your voice notes um and your thoughts on topics that we've been discussing on the podcast or the podcast in general um I'm actually really looking forward to recording that because I just love hearing your thoughts and opinions so if you have them do send them in to me it's 089-209-6423 that's 089-209-6423 you can send me a voice note on whatsapp or you know regular messaging whatever whatever you're having yourself anyway let's get going because there was a lot to discuss in the news this week and then myself and Aoife kind of went off on one just in general and so please enjoy this especially thick news catch-up Aoife Moore, a political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. Hello, my friend. Just took a drink of coffee as soon as you started. Yeah. Thanks for that. No prob. Um, that's, Aoife doesn't tell you how well I treat her. I turned up today <laughs> with not only a coffee, also a can of Coke and a sausage roll. And it was like one of those gourmet sausage rolls as well. Like oh. it had, you know when you have sesame seeds on the top of it and you're like, oh. Nothing we but are, the best are, for my girl. We are middle class now. Ballymaloo relish in there. Oh, Jesus. I know. Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, we've got lots to talk about in the news, and uh, I think we should start with Nicola Sturgeon. I I gasped when I read the so news yesterday. I. Yeah, it. She seemed like one of those people who would be around forever. Like it's only been eight years. Mm. I'm probably a bit more like linked it just because I lived in Scotland for such a long time. Like yeah. I lived in Scotland for eight years. So when I was I was there for the independence referendum, and I was there under Alex Hammond. and then Nicola took over but she was she's a Glasgow MSP as well so she was just really well known when Mm. I was there um yeah and just a mere few weeks after Jacinda Ardern she gave a very Nicola Sturgeon gave a very similar and very unexpected speech in the exact same tenor as Jacinda Ardern and said that the resignation was not in response to the latest period of pressure. Um, as we know, there's been a, a very toxic argument around trans people. And trans sorry, just for people who we've just gotten straight oh, into. Sorry. For people she who don't is, know. <laughs> she has been the first minister of Scotland for more than eight years. Yeah. Um, she was the first woman 
um, to ever hold the role and the longest serving first minister yeah. in Scottish history. So first minister is like Taoiseach. Yeah, they have a devolved government, yeah. same as the North. Yeah. Um, they have a bit more, um, I'm getting on the devolution now, but they have a bit more uh, freedom with their laws than we would have in the North. But yeah. it's the same vibe. They got theirs in the 90s as well. Right. Donald Jr. was the first one. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> I lived there for a very long time. So... She acknowledged that there had been what she called choppy waters, but said that her decision to resign had been a deeper and longer term assessment. Um, she has said that she gave the job her all because that is what the, the people of Scotland deserve. But she said, in my head and my heart, I know that the time is now that it's right for me, my party and my country. So she resigned. She said that she was certain that the next person who took over the job will lead Scotland to independence. Mm-hmm. And we know that we have seen every single poll that has come out since they lost the independence referendum basically very much signals now that they are heading for independence mm-hmm. whenever they can allow, the British government mm-hmm. will allow them yeah. to call a second referendum. I would also say, just as background, the SNP have a lot of internal problems. Mm-hmm. They are quite a divided party. The gender recognition stuff has created a bit of a division and I would also say Alex Salmond who was accused of multiple accounts of sexual assault from staffers in Butte House so Butte House is the uh, the residence of the first minister in Edinburgh um he was found not guilty but uh Nicola Sturgeon very much was very strong on that even though he was her mentor and her friend she said Mm. you know she believes woman Mm. And that caused great division. Alex Salmond now has a vendetta against Nicola Sturgeon. He's taken great um, heart out of her resignation. He said that she lost control of the party. I don't believe that. Um, I do think she genuinely, you often see women in these roles, genuinely believing in what is best for the country rather than best for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And then we said this about Jacinda as well, yeah. in complete contrast to people like Boris Johnson. Yeah, it's it's just, I think, you know, even though I'm not Scottish, I've actually never been to Scotland. Oh, no um, way. I know, I really want to go. Um, we should go to Glasgow, actually, a great time. I'd love that. Um, but I... I still felt like a loss yesterday. Mm. Sorry, it's Thursday that we're recording, so this happened on Wednesday. Mm. I still felt a loss when I saw it because, and I felt a loss when Jacinda Arden also stepped down. Like, I think it's just these amazing women who have governed with, you know, really seemingly in a kind of selfless and fair way, Mm -hmm. genuinely doing their best for the people of their countries and Mm. making sensible decisions and considered decisions and speaking articulately and Mm. you know fairly on on various topics it just feels in contrast to the politicking of so many other yeah because it's not even about their politics um in terms of like actual policies but even you know having Nicola Sturgeon the first minister of the country talking about like it was quite a big deal when she talked about she doesn't have any children and the reason she doesn't have any children is because she had a number of miscarriages. Mm. She's been married for a long time. Same with Jacinda Ardern talking about, you know, having a baby and being pregnant in office. And even that sort of stuff shouldn't mean as much as it does, but it does. It does, yeah. Um, and I think even if you don't agree with certain people or whatever, just to have level-headed and sensible women in politics, you know, when you look across the water and look at, you know, some of the women that they have in America and you think, Jesus Christ, we're never going to get a woman elected again because women are held to a different standard. And yeah, you can say, you know, but what happens is women get judged. All women get judged by the actions of one woman. Mm. So they have these two women who have been so popular. That's the thing as well. Jacinda Ardern and Nicola Sturgeon are incredibly popular leaders. Yeah. So it's not to say it's just because they're women. Like, their own people continually re-elect them. Yeah. So, yeah, I was very shocked. When I saw it, I the first tweet I saw, I was like, oh, maybe this is, like, a joke. Mm. It wasn't a joke. I just, you know, you'd wonder, like, I think all the time, and I know a lot of us do, about how we can get more women in politics when being in politics is so difficult for women. Like it's so, such an unfriendly, even just logistically, it's an unfriendly job for women's lives because women Mm. do care more than Mm. men in their families, in the home. I mean, statistically that's proven. It's not that all men are doing less, but you know, we know statistically Mm. that women tend to have more duties in the home. So there's that challenge. And then you have the challenge of the absolute toxicity of public Mm. life. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's well documented. And we've discussed here many, many times. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you get around it. And then these women you know, who actually managed to get 
to to leadership roles and then you know do an an unbelievable job but end up burning out because Mm -hmm. it's too much and I'd also say just for people because people ask me this all the time um the reason um that being a politician is so difficult for women with children in Ireland specifically Mm -hmm. is that we need to have a referendum to change the constitution so that people can vote from home yeah because in our constitution you have to vote from the doll Mm. so in Westminster during COVID they were able to bring in at home voting but we couldn't do that because we needed a referendum mm. so people like jennifer carroll mcneil lisa chambers holly cairns all these people are now pushing for a, a referendum the next time we have elections mm. to put voting from home on it because if we want more women in politics like for instance if you look at people like holly cairns we don't actually have a female td in donegal at the moment but if you look at people like holly cairns like holly cairns commutes around four and a half hours from where she lives to dublin mm. how would she ever have a child yeah you know so mm. um and it's the same for like so Pierce Doherty Pierce Doherty's got three children and yeah. he's in Gidower and that's four and a half hours yeah. um I'm struck we're gonna move on to the next story now I, but I just was struck when we were talking there we were talking about the fact that um like you know gender recognition and the issue I don't even like calling it an issue but the, the conversation mm. about trans people played a role in Nicola Sturgeon's kind yep. of political life mm-hmm. of late. Um, we're going to talk about a story now which is absolutely heartbreaking, uh, impacting the lives of trans people. And later on in in the interview section of this podcast, we're also going to talk about um, issues facing trans people. And I just was thinking, it's wild, like 10 years ago, if someone had said to me, you know, you're going to talk about the news and like a lot of it's going to be about trans you know, people. Like, it's crazy, like it's such a we, tiny, tiny, tiny minority of people and yet it's taking up so much space. And in Ireland, we passed our gender recognition law. In 2015. In 2015, there wasn't a f- nary a word about it. Exactly, not a peep. And it's yeah. just become this political football to like kick around and talk about and mm-hmm. and such a hot topic of conversation so needlessly. It's absolutely yeah. infuriating. And it is within that climate that this week we learned about the death of Brianna Jai, which is just absolutely heartbreaking yeah so for those who haven't heard two 15 year olds a boy and a girl have been charged with the murder of brianna jay she was found by a passerby in a park in cheshire she had been stabbed repeatedly police sorry <clears throat> police are exploring whether it was a hate crime um but we know from media reporting that there had been a number of complaints to her school that she had been the victim of transphobic bullying for a long time um her family released a statement saying that she was a much loved daughter granddaughter and baby sister she was a larger than life character who would leave a lasting impression on all who met her um we i attended uh the vigil for brianna jay last night um at the spire there was mm-hmm. one in Derry, there was one in belfast there was a huge one in london um and it has sparked a wider conversation about how we talk about trans people because i have no doubt that the toxic debate around trans people's lives is what led to this wee girl's death. Whether those two 15-year-olds were sitting on Twitter listening to certain authors and certain TV writers is immaterial. The entire conversation around trans people is disgusting and toxic. And now people are saying, can we not let this be a lesson? Can the death of a child... Hmm. not re- can we not just get some perspective now on what this all leads to and what we have seen is very prominent gender critical i even hate using the, the term, term i yeah. know gender critical people who are not supportive of trans rights saying well, well we don't want you know we don't expect anyone to die if you dehumanize an entire community what did they think was going to happen when you stop seeing people as people? Yeah. This is what happens. And when you stir up vitriol and hate, I mean, that's the reality of what's happening. Like the way that that these people uh, discuss trans people, the terminology that they use, the spite that they tweet with, Mm -hmm. like it's unbelievable. I cannot, I cannot, like genuinely cannot understand it. I've often said this and like we, it has reached Ireland. This, yeah, it's not a debate. I'm not calling it a debate. This, Roy, has it has reached Ireland, but it hasn't reached the toxic levels that no. we have seen in England. You know, we have the political parties literally tearing each other apart yeah. tear, from the inside out over it. But, but we it need will, to be careful. We need to be very careful. Mm. You know, people make a lot of money out of mm-hmm. being very hateful in, mm-hmm. in mainstream media. 
And as we said, we passed our laws in 2015 and there hasn't been any issue whatsoever. Uh, Every argument that they use is a recycled argument from late 80s, 90s homophobia. Yeah. That And also the notion that they are worried about the safety of children means very little when a child is now dead. Absolutely. Okay, let's briefly talk about Charlene Murphy. So uh, I I was aware of Charlene Murphy um, because she's an influencer. And, you know, when you're in kind of influency circles, you're aware of people. But mm. um, she had a horrible experience this week. Yeah, so I wasn't aware because obviously I'm a massive politics dork. Okay, so but I hang on. Know. You, do you remember at the podcast awards? Do you remember two... Okay, I'm going to tell a little anecdote here. <laughs> okay. Myself and Aoife went to the podcast awards last Great year. Night. Um, and there were, uh, th- there was no dress code. So like yeah. the, the, the spectrum on which people were dressed was truly stunning. So like some people were in literal ball gowns and some mm-hmm. people were in jeans and a t-shirt. Like it was. I think actually some people were there were in like socks and sandals because yeah. there was like an environmental award. <laughs> hey. <laughs> she was very cool oh, and beautiful. No, the, the girl, girl who won, won was that. amazing. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the spectrum anyway mm. was very broad. And two girls arrived late and they were so glamorous. Yes, and they sat at the front of yes. the other side of us. And yeah. they were just like a different species to everyone else they in the so room. Beautiful. They were so beautiful, yeah. so glamorous. I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, that was ah, one of them was her. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know she had a podcast. Yeah. Mm, and okay. that's the type of influencer that Charlene is. She is okay. beautiful. Yes. And so glamorous. Yes, I've seen photos. She's absolutely yeah. beautiful. So um I wasn't I actually had heard the previous issues. But didn't really connect the dots. So now we're caught up with Charlene Murphy, that (laughs) anecdote that only relates to two people. (laughs) Me and Louise. I think people will enjoy hearing about that dress code. Anyway, Charlene Murphy, very beautiful girl who, um, yeah, 194,000 followers on Instagram, about 150,000 on TikTok, beauty, fashion, all that sort of stuff. Charlene, as far as I'm aware, goes out with a footballer who used to play for Bose, does play for Bose. Something happened anyway. So there was a campaign against her a while ago about whatever decisions that this man made in his footballing career, she was then blamed. blamed. There was some really disgusting flags put up with her face on it. I heard that that flag might not even have been real, that it was like made for a picture. But like there was horrible carry on. Yeah, it was just she has been the victim of like vitriolic trolling for a very long time. Uh, I'm sure it's not all connected to her relationship, Mm. but a lot of it is. That's what I became aware of her anyway. So she was out for dinner in a hotel um, last Friday night in Dublin. And she was sitting with a friend when uh, Craig O'Brien, 27-year-old from uh, Ballyfermot, came into the hotel. The guard said he paid for a drink and within a minute of paying for his drink, he assaulted Charlene in which that she needed stitches. Yeah, he punched her in the back of the head. Yeah. And her face hit her drink that she was holding and cut her face. So she needed stitches on her face. So he... Like it's vicious. Yeah, he was um, arrested and the reason it, it's up in, it was up in court this week and that's why everyone is talking about it. Um, so because there's been a charge, we can't really discuss it any further than we have. But he has been um, remanded in custody. Yarda said that uh, they objected to bail because of the seriousness of the alleged incident and fears the accused would leave the jurisdiction. Um, and he told the court it was alleged that Mrs. Murphy, Miss Murphy, sorry, had been socializing with her friend when she was viciously attacked um, by a male. And the hearing heard that the man was someone known to her and her friend through personal online abuse on various social media accounts. Um, I, found, I, I found, yeah, she blocked him basically, on okay. social media. And I found that phrase frustrating. Known and I understand it's it's a phrase that's that used. That we use in quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. But known to her. No, he wasn't. She didn't know him. Yeah. He was a random stranger. On the internet. Who was harassing her on the internet, mm-hmm. who she blocked, who then came into her real life mm-hmm. and punched her in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't know him. And, mm-hmm. like, the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because in the same way that the murder of Brianna Jai is not disconnected from the culture of transphobia. The assault of Charlene Murphy is not disconnected from the culture of trolling, and I don't even like to use the word trolling, vicious gossiping mm-hmm. and violent hatred of of influencers online. Like, yeah. it is insane. Entire, people are making 
massive money because they run websites dedicated entirely into ripping people and their lives apart. Oh, I'm well aware. And it's all connected. Like, it is all connected because if you, if you are part of the kind of dissection of someone's life in a kind of vicious and negative way, that creates a culture of kind of disconnect it's from de- the fact it's, that people it's are the thing real. That's said before. So it's dehumanization. Yeah. So I even think it as well, like uh, when I'm getting death threats and rape threats and stuff, and like I have spoken to like cyber psychologists and they say they actually don't think that you're no. a person. No. They don't think this is going to hurt your feelings, or if they do, they think your feelings don't matter. Mm. Um, and I think for a lot of people, just to bring it back to the trans argument, but it also works for influencers as well. They, you're not seen as real, and also there is no skin in the game for these people for debating your existence. No. So a lot of the people who are gender critical or whatever they want to call themselves don't know any trans people, Mm -hmm. don't know anyone who's been affected by trans people. Mm. This is just something that they have kind of hitched their wagon to because a lot of people just like to be a part of something. And really sadly, bullying makes people feel part of something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's the base of human nature that like when someone, I know this myself, when someone trolls me, then other people pile in. Yeah. Because they see oh, this person's getting trolled, I'll pile in on the top of it as well. It's like a base level of like caveman human nature of mm-hmm. like everyone's doing it, I'll do it too. And I think you're right about, I don't know anything about being an influencer, but I think especially women, especially good looking women, and especially good looking women who men have deemed their content, their purpose, their money, what they make money from is silly and frivolous and not important. Mm. And I think it just comes from, and I believe this about trans issues as well, all of this comes from hatred of women. Mm. All of this comes from misogyny. Mm. And I feel very desperate at times that nothing is going to get better because it feels like it's getting worse. I don't feel like anything has changed. I feel like social media is dragging people back. Mm. Andrew Tate should not be famous. People like Jordan Peterson should not be celebrated we have made such strides in progression for women's rights and then we see people like that being held up by young men Mm. and I despair. And what's really tragic about the influencer conversation in particular is that most of the people, um, and obviously the person who assaulted Charlie Murphy was a man, but most of the people involved in the kind of forums where people's lives are dissected and viciously ripped apart are women. Yeah, well... All the rumours that have been spread about me and my very adventurous sex life that I must be having all come from women. Yeah. Women who don't know me and women who probably have be kind in their Instagram handles. And girlies, your screenshots of your WhatsApp group chats get sent to me. (laughs) So please mind your business. It's just, we have it hard enough like do we need to be bringing more stress to our li- each other's lives like what are we doing as women like wasting our time and energy being horrible about other women Listen, I don't understand it it goes for men and women it's not your happy successful friends that no, are sitting on no. these gossip websites these people are obviously tragic and very sad and have all our things going on and they are you know it's more in our line to put them it's harder some days than others but but I'll tell you it's not all It's not all that because I know too many intelligent people. Well, I don't think intelligence comes under it at all. I think it's security. Okay, intelligent, air quotes, successful Mm -hmm. people who think it's harmless. Think it's harmless to go on a website and even, I'm not writing anything, I'm just reading it. But then they'll go and tell someone. Yeah, but you're also giving the website clicks too. It's also like, oh, gee, guess what I heard. First of all, you didn't hear it, you read it on a website. Yeah. You're, it's the same base level of your dad's mate thinks he can charge his phone off his arm when he gets his COVID vaccine. Yeah. Read some shit on Facebook. Yeah. We went on a tangent there. Yeah. <laughs> there was clearly some unresolved Anyway, it's out. absolutely horrible. I hope she's okay. I hope if this person, if this alleged person is the person who did it, um, I hope that, you know, justice is done and I hope she feels, gets the counselling and help that she needs. Like, how can she feel safe now? No, I know. It's, 
it's hard. Oh, it's too much. Okay, very briefly, um, there's going to be a citizens' assembly on drug use, which is great. Yes, uh, we need this. With this. Yep. So the government has approved the establishment of the citizens' assembly on drugs. It was in the program for government. Um, it's about harm reduction, and it's been on the long finger for quite a long time. You know, you had Lynn Ryan on the podcast talking mm. about this as well. So it's due to begin in April, and should be done by the end of the year. Would also say as someone who works in the government. Nothing has ever done on time, so mm. don't be expecting this for Christmas. Mm. So the drugs minister, Heldegard Nocton, said that um, it affects all members of society uh, directly through families, communities, and imposes significant health and financial costs. Um, so this is entirely appropriate. People like the Labour TD, Aon O'Reardon, Paul McAuliffe from Fianna Fáil, Lynn Ryan, who has been the loudest voice on this, have all welcomed this, have all called for it. Aon O'Reardon made a good point. This week when he said, you know, journalists take drugs, politicians take drugs, we need to stop pretending yes. that, you know, this is something that doesn't affect every point of society. Because we know, we know that there is no difference from the man who injects on Bachelor's Walk to a fella who gets a bag to go to the rugby yeah. sevens uh, at the weekend. Well, the only difference is the way that those people are treated. Exactly. And spoken about. So it's great. It's good. It informs, basically for people want to know what a citizens' assembly is, it informs then government policy. They yeah. make recommendations. If anyone remembers Repeal the 8th, mm-hmm. there was a citizens' assembly on abortion. Mm-hmm. They made recommendations and then that led yeah. to the referendum. Um, and then finally, Fanta have taken over Lilt. <laughs> I'm really sad about this. Okay, Lilt, not something I can say I have had in the last 10, 15 years. I don't drink it very often, but I like knowing that it's there. I like the can, the cans. Yeah, fun. see, this is the thing. The can is nice mm. and the bottle is nice. It's kind of, you know, it's nice. Yeah, it's, it's The bottle retro. is green, so yes. like you, you, you don't see the colour of the drink. It's kind of like a pale yellow, I think. Anyway, so um, Coca-Cola has announced that Lilt is going to be pulled from the shelves after 48 years and it'll now be known as Fanta Grapefruit and Pineapple. Is that what the flavour of Lilt is supposed to be? That's not the the tones I get from that. That's what it is, yeah. Tropical, um, totally tropical. So, yeah, so they're changing the packaging, they're changing the logo and... It's part of the Fanta brand now, um, but the drink will be the same. The recipe will be the same. Will um, it so it used to be um, huge in the 80s. They had some iffy adverts with Jamaican women in them years ago. And yeah, I mean, is this going to improve sales? Probably not. I'm I'm sorry. I don't think it's the packaging that's putting people off Lilt. It's the fact that it feels like you're drinking a melted pineapple ice pool. Yeah, and what's not to love about that? I've heard it's a big hangover drink. Like, people drink yeah. them, drink it when they have a hangover. I love you, Lilt, and I'll never forget you. <laughs> Even more political correspondent, <laughs> Sunday Times Ireland. Thank you so much. I know a lot of people were really deeply troubled by what happened to Brianna Jai this week as we discussed there in the news catch up. And at times like this, I think it can be helpful to learn about what we can do to try and prevent things like that from happening and also what's already being done uh, to prevent things like that from happening and how people are already working towards supporting vulnerable young people in Ireland. So with that in mind, I thought it would be good to speak to Ruan O'Creadon, who is the executive director of Shoutout. Shoutout or an organization that go into schools and work with kids on um, kind of inclusivity, really, for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, but you'll learn more about that from Ruan now in this chat about their work and what we can do to help keep Ireland a safe place for young trans people. Ruan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I was just saying to you that I think a lot of people are feeling kind of, well, understandably shaken and upset by what happened to Brianna Jai. And um, I think lots of people wondering what we can kind of do to to make sure that we have a society that is supportive to young trans people. And I know that, you know, as executive director of Shoutout, that's, you know, a huge part of of your work is, is the organization getting into schools and kind of having these kind of conversations. So... I know I've said that there, but you'll obviously put it much better than me. So before we get into it, maybe explain a little bit about the kind of workshops that Shoutout provide. 
Yeah, so Shout Out started 10 years ago. And basically, 10 years ago was such a different landscape. The people who started Shout Out were all LGBT+. plus. They were in college and none of them had been able to come out in school as LGBT+. plus. And then they got to college and had these great lives, being queer, and got to really kind of celebrate who they were. But there had been no positive mention of being LGBT+, plus in their schools when they were growing up. So mm-hmm. the idea was, okay, let's recruit volunteers from the community. Let's ask them to go into secondary schools tell a bit about their story. So what coming out was like for them, what it means for them to be lesbian or gay or bi or trans. We actually didn't have that many trans folks either in shout out or just kind of visible in general kind Mm. of 10 years ago. That's changed a huge amount Mm. Um, to talk about what that means for them. Tell the students, try and get the students to understand and empathize a little bit and then talk about terminology and talk about how you might support a peer who came out or how you might try and make your school a little bit more supportive towards anyone who might want to come out. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing that for 10 years and it's still pretty much the same kind of workshop format. It's really, a lot of it is about that storytelling piece. Which makes sense. Going in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like if you think about even like the last two referenda, you know, we know that hearing people's stories and people's experiences, unfortunately, for, for people having to kind of maybe reel out their stories and experiences, it is the most powerful way to help people understand why their behavior can have a huge impact. Totally. And it's also about giving a bit of a lifeline to any kids in the class who themselves might be LGBT plus and mm. who might never have met an LGBT plus adult or might not have met an LGBT plus adult that they know of. Like I didn't meet another trans man until I was in my mid twenties. Right. So for me as a student, that would have been unbelievable. And it's about as well giving people that bit of kind of understanding that not not everyone's journey looks the same way. Like yeah. if your journey of coming out doesn't look like what you see in the media, like what you see celebrities doing, if yeah. it's a bit jumbled, if it's a bit messy or unclear, it's a better volunteer saying, well, actually, it might have been like that for us, too. And that's mm. fine. Yeah. So it, you mentioned there that, you know, the the kind of trans people, there weren't as many trans people around telling their stories or visible trans people um, 10 years ago when the organization started. Have you noticed that number growing? Are you hearing from schools that, you know, they want kind of education about specific, kind of specific to trans young people these days? Totally. So schools are looking for a lot of support around supporting their trans and non-binary students. And they're all starting from that place of wanting to support the students. The schools we work with, their goal is to keep that child in education, to keep them happy in the school, to protect them, to try and make the journey as smooth for them as possible, Mm -hmm. which is really tricky, especially when you think about like an all boys school or an all girls school. Schools will do all they can and all that's within their power to support those students, but they need a lot of support. They need a lot of help. We'll work with teachers around kind of training and understanding what it means for the student. But the schools themselves need a lot of help just for the process of, say, a student who might be socially transitioning, might be adjusting what they wear in terms of their uniform, might be changing their name or their pronouns. Mm. And it's definitely something that's grown over the kind of past 10 years in terms of a conversation that we're having. Mm. And I think that is just the visibility piece. Like, it's not that there are suddenly millions of trans people. There are very, very few trans people. Like, most trans people in Ireland at this stage kind of all know each other. Right. Because it's (laughs) a community. Yeah. But it's amazing the idea that like a young person could come out as trans in school, which is incredibly brave. uh, Especially, as you said, in an all boys school or an all girls school. I mean, that sounds absolutely terrifying to me. Terrifying. And like Ireland's single sex kind of schooling system is quite unique. It's quite um, it's a very particular context. And it doesn't, unfortunately, work out for every student. Some students Mm. might opt to move schools. And again, like if that's a transition that can be supported by kind of both schools and by the family, that's Mm. something which can be a positive piece. Like I moved school midway through and it was a really positive thing for me. Yeah. But then we see some schools where students are able to stay. I heard of one unbelievable story from a a workshop attendee where she had a trans son who was in an all-girls secondary school and he was starting off in sixth year. And um, I think... He spoke to the principal and the principal was like, right, do you want to move schools or do you want to stay in this school? Do you want to stick in the school and kind of stick with your friends and finish off your leaving cert here, even mm. though it might be a little bit strange for you? Mm. Um, and he was like, no, I want to stay. My friends are here. Um, he's like, I won't wear a skirt. Obviously, it's part of the uniform kind mm. of thing. And the teacher, the principal was like, that's absolutely fine. But I want to buy you your uniform trousers as a gift. Oh. Uh, like... It- I'm like literally tearing up. Unbelievable. Like I was like, I was giving, I was talking to this person. I was trying not to burst into tears because 
teachers and principals are under so much pressure. Yeah. They're under a lot of pressure around this as well. There can be pushback. And mm, as the we've vast seen. majority of them want to support their students. They want to do anything for their students. Yeah. Wow. That's such a gorgeous story. I think, you know, there's no question. We all know, or certainly I think everyone who listens to this podcast, I feel like we're all on the same page. We know that trans people are vulnerable at every stage of their life, unfortunately. But particularly in those teenage years, I mean, it's got to be extra hard. And I think that's why this whole situation with Brianna is is kind of extra heartbreaking because we've heard from lots of Brianna's friends, trans friends who spoke about what a light she was and, you know, what a support she was to them. And it's a huge loss for her friends. It's a huge loss for their community. But also, you know, there's these two other teenagers who have been arrested in relation to this. And, you know, you have to question what are their lives going to be? They're so young. And I think that has lots of people thinking about you don't want your kid to be that kid. (laughs) And how do you talk to your children and your young people about, I suppose, the diversity when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to gender, when it comes to people in in general, um, to ensure that they can, A, not be those kids, but B, be an active support to kids who might need them. Um, So what kind of things do you think parents can do? Or they don't have to be parents, but, you know, adults in young people's lives. Yeah, I think everyone has a role in this. I think it is challenging for a lot of parents. Like parents are trying to have these conversations and they're really anxious that their young people, that their children be allies. It's not dissimilar from the conversations I don't think that we've been having about, say, Andrew Tate and about having those conversations at home. You need to be quite frank. You need to be quite open. You need to be really mindful of what a young person might be taking in from their friends and from their classmates and their peers, but also what they might be taking in online. So Mm. we offer kind of guidance for parents around how to open up these conversations at different stages. Like even from an early age, you can talk to your kids about gender stereotypes, about reminding them that you know, there's nothing that a boy can't do, nothing that a girl can't do, nothing that a boy shouldn't wear, that a girl shouldn't wear, because they take on those attitudes quite early on as well. They'll mm. pick them up in crash, they'll pick them up from other people. And it is about just kind of gently having those conversations um, and just reinforcing again, this idea that whatever about themselves, but that their peers are free to be whoever they want to be either. Mm. And as they kind of get into primary school, it's about keeping that line of communication open. They might hopefully be quite open and accepting in primary school. Unfortunately, the bullying will often get worse in secondary school. Um, so it's really about making sure that they stay open, that they stay accepting, that they stay a little bit more open in their attitude. Um, and also that they might be able to recognize if someone around them is having a tough time. If yeah. someone in their class is a little bit different in some way and maybe leads to a little bit of support or friendship, about having a conversation with them about what that might look like uh, or about why that person might be kind of targeted because of their difference. Mm. Um, And then with secondary school students, it's definitely more complicated. Like most school students are really vocal. They're really like socially minded and really kind of mind in terms of social justice. And they really want to stand up for marginalized communities. They want to stand up for anyone in their school or in their community who might be at risk of this kind of bullying or might be at risk of this kind of harm. Mm. We have also seen some really difficult attitudes and a lot of it is this anti-feminist uh anti-equality narrative which wasn't really in schools in the same way 10 years ago yeah it's very intelligent students it's often young men who have maybe picked up something online that is resonating with them or it's resonating Mm. with issues that they're having in the same way that andrew tate maybe had an appeal or those conversations appeal so that it's something a little bit trickier for parents, but something that needs to be really tackled head on around parents saying, no, these are our, fa- our values. This is what our family supports. We support marginalized communities. We support trans people. We support queer people. And here's why, you know, yeah. because these are my friends. This is our community, that kind of thing. It's about keeping it human as well. Yeah. It's interesting because I think like, you know, at one stage there was this belief that like, oh, this next generation, these teens today, they're going to save us all. You know, they're all so passionate about the environment and they're, you know, educated in a way that we weren't and they're so much more evolved than us. We don't need to worry about homophobia or transphobia anymore. But then obviously that's not the case because there is this opposing force which has grown online and and is terrifying. I mean, I have to say as a mother of two sons, I'm like absolutely terrified and I you know I'm just like I'll just always watch what they do on the internet but like that's obviously not going to be possible and you have to kind of just keep the faith that you'll be able to balance it out but it is really scary um do you find um or or do you hear via the work of shout out that you know 
the kind of balance is still mostly in favor of young people being kind of open-minded and supportive? Totally. Like, okay. few. <laughs> the young people we meet in workshops are, like, they're so amazing. They're yeah. so right on. They're so empathetic. Um, they'll have really gorgeous conversations. A lot of them obviously had a tough time during COVID, but I think a lot of them did a lot of kind of reflection and inner work over COVID as well that most adults would need years of therapy to get to. Okay. So... A lot of the harmful attitudes that come in when it comes to bullying LGBT students tend to be maybe early on or kind of like around the mid-range of secondary school will peak around then, which Mm. is when everyone is maybe at their most insecure, their most fearful and too scared to stand up for each other and too scared not to go with the crowd. So that's where the risk lies in terms of bullying. Um, And then the other risks as well, unfortunately, for the average trans student, the biggest risk is really mental health, which is partly why this case is so unbelievably sad is that by all accounts, it did sound like Brianna had support and was doing well and was actually able to come out, which in itself yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. But unfortunately, something really, really awful happened. Uh, something really awful was done to her. And so the kind of key risk factor as well that we want schools to understand and parents to understand, even as they're getting to grips with all of this, is that trans mental health is really at risk yeah. the odds are really bad the stats are really frightening um there's a huge risk there and the more supportive environment you can create for them mm. the better outcomes they will have and the better chance they will have of yeah. getting through school. i know that in the wake of what happened to brianna there's been a lot of um backlash against the media really um in the uk in terms of the growth of, I suppose, anti-trans rhetoric in general and the publication of pieces that are harmful to the trans community and the growth of transphobia in general in the UK over the last number of years. And certainly, I think we've seen it creep up here at increasing levels, which is unfortunate, unpleasant and scary, um, I think, for for, mo- for many people, certainly people who listen to this podcast. Um I mean, we can't deny, really, can we, that that climate plays a role in terms of these kind of events. Maybe, you know, I obviously I'm not talking about specifically this one. I don't we don't know all the details of this, but it's hard to imagine that a climate of transphobia won't have an impact on actual incidents. Completely. It's it's a it's a violent climate, like it's a horrible climate to exist in for a trans person of any age, and especially for a trans young person. Mm. And people might say, well, OK, your trans child isn't going to be reading broadsheets. They're maybe not listening to the radio. But the people who work with them and the people who are supposed to support them are their right. parents are reading these articles. Their parents are reading misinformation. Their teachers are reading misinformation. These there might be bad actors, say, targeting organizations who are trying to help them or targeting their teachers to try and get their teachers on side with a particular ideology. And that's unfortunately what we saw in the UK, that there was a particular move against schools supporting trans students to socially transition or to be themselves in school, even though we have significant data to support um, research, which tells us that trans kids who can express themselves, who can socially transition, will have much better mental health outcomes later on in life and they'll have lower risks of depression and suicidality. But there was a concerted push by the media, by organizations, by bad actors, and ultimately by the government to roll back on inclusive education guidelines in the UK. And we're quite lucky in Ireland in that the kind of political climate is mostly supportive, but we cannot go down that road. We have to try and stay a compassionate place, an empathetic place. um, And the media does have responsibility in that, but we all have a big responsibility to be media literate as well. Yeah, yeah. And and approach everything with a critical eye. I totally agree. Um, So... How many schools is Shout Out getting into? Like, I mean, is this something that every school gets to experience? Is it something that every school should experience? I think I know the answer to that. <laughs> um, can we support you in getting into more schools? What's the story? Totally. So we we get into as many schools as we absolutely can. Like mm. the calendar is chock-a-blocka. Schools really want us in to talk to their students. That's great. Every workshop is different. Every workshop gets a different reaction and might hopefully help someone in a different way. Mm. We deliver all those workshops to students. Uh, we do, we've done 2,250 so far. We'll usually do in and around 200, 300 a year. Wow. We're a tiny team. We're only three members of staff. Mm. Um, we've got loads of amazing volunteers who are running around the country in schools uh, doing all this work. 
And we also do a lot of teacher training and working directly with teachers where they might be trying to support someone who's transitioning. They might be trying to support someone who's unfortunately maybe facing a lot of bullying mm-hmm. and they might be trying to adjust policies and practice in their school. So the work is constant. It's always shifting. Um, we're so, so lucky that schools really want to do right by their students. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we definitely, we always need support. We always need volunteers okay. and we always need support as well in terms of donations, um, just in terms of actually making sure that our volunteers can get out to schools yeah. and in terms of making sure that we can support as many schools as we possibly can because we'd love to reach every single school in the country. Um, but it is tricky. It is hard. And there are just so many people who need help at the moment. And in a great way there are LGBT students in every single school and they're starting to be able to come out and be themselves Mm. but we just want to make that process a little bit easier and safer and happy absolutely well thank you so much if you want to check out the work of Shoutout go to shoutout.ie that's Ruan O'Creadon Executive Director of Shoutout thank you so much thank you thank you hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Now, I kept my mouth zipped all week about my opinions on Rihanna's halftime show. Uh, I wanted to wait to air all of my thoughts and, yes, potential grievances uh, for this moment. So poor Orla Conton, host of Love Island podcast, My Pot on Paper, could barely get a word in. Uh, But I I hope you still enjoy it on some level. And we do also catch up on the rest of the week's entertainment stories as well. All right, let's talk celebs. Orla Condon, it is such a pleasure to have you back on the show again at the show. Do we call podcast shows? I mean, I did just there. So, I mean, otherwise... You know I, I think it adds a touch of glam. Have I reverted show? to my radio form? Who knows? My brain is barely <laughs> operational. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. And, I mean, there's really one massive story this week that everyone has been talking about. And that is, of course... Uh, one Robin Fenty, Rihanna, uh, and her performance at the Super Bowl. Well, what, what a triumph. Like, what a triumph. It was so exciting to know she was coming back. Obviously, there was a lot of expectation about, A, like the performance itself and what yeah. that would look like, but also potentially what would we get in addition to this performance? Because obviously it had been like seven years since her last solo performance. Mm. A lot of expectations for potentially an album, even a tour. There was rumors <laughs> about a world tour. There was Lol. rumors about residencies, <laughs> like lots of stuff like this. And we were yeah. all like, oh my God, she's going to feed our mind, body and soul on Sunday night. I'm so excited. While we have still nothing to look forward to nothing. in the near future, she does because she did confirm that herself and ASAP Rocky are expecting their second baby and I loved watching like the social media commentary of like is she is is she and people I love that we all waited to get confirmation that she was pregnant when her her um her label or someone came out and confirmed that she was pregnant but like amazing amazing performance you know Orla I have been holding my my 
Oh, my, okay. What's the expression? Tom? Holding my... I can't speak, apparently. I've been, I've been waiting all week because oh, I... Oh, Okay. I watched the performance and then I was like... Hmm. And so then I was interested to see what other people thought. So I put it out on my Instagram story as a poll, which I don't often do yeah. polls. But I was like, what did you think? Uh, did you love it? Mm-hmm. Yes or no or meh? And uh, let oh, me tell I like you, you gave the meh. there yeah, was like a lot the meh. of meh votes. And that was kind of how I felt about it. Really? Like, yeah. And look, I've read all the think pieces. I have seen the debate online. You know, I've seen all the different perspectives. And I still come down on feeling like I just feel like she didn't try that hard. And wow. Okay. I know. And I've been waiting to say it here because I do not want a slew. This is your safe space, Louise. <laughs> yeah, honestly. This is your safe space. Don't come honestly. in here and give her shit, guys. This is her safe space. Well, no, I don't mind if these guys give me shit, but I don't want strangers in America giving me shit on the internet. You yeah. know what I mean? Who are yeah. like Rihanna stands. I love Rihanna. Yeah. Like, don't get me. I, I absolutely love her. I was so excited to see what she would do. And I love Paris Goebbels, who does her choreography. I've followed her for years, like since she choreographed Justin Bieber's Sorry video. Um, and I was really excited. And then I just found myself like, you know, when th- there was that opening shot of her, like looking kind of looking at the camera, I was like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, and I yeah, loved yeah. Menacing, her. Like, yeah, yeah, it was so good. And I loved her styling. And then yeah. I was just kind of waiting for it to go somewhere that it never went. I don't know. I think I didn't I, like. Yeah. I sorry. I will get let you get a word in. I promise. No, 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 um, no, no, invite no, you on I'm my podcast to not let you talk. <laughs> Classic Louise. Um, I I think the styling of the dancers was problematic because you couldn't really see the dancing. Like I felt like because their outfits were so puffy and baggy, like they were doing all these amazing dance moves, and you couldn't get the full like whack of it. You know. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but you know what I thought in in. In conflict to that, I I found the use of, do you know that part, and everyone's going to know what I'm talking about, even though I'm not going to describe it well, the part where they're all like kind of bent over and they start like swinging their arms from side to side. Yeah. Like, I mean, myself and yourself could have got out there and done it, right? Yeah. Easy, easy. Like, Takara choreography is probably a little bit friendly, but <laughs> I thought it was such an effective use of like the people as staging like yeah. I thought the staging the moving platforms the red kind of platform in the middle yeah and then the contrast of the white suits and the kind of visit the like the, the shapes that that created mm-hmm. was really fun to watch yeah. I felt like that moment that we've all seen on Twitter where she's she's elevated and the camera zooms out and you see just like her elevated above the space like yeah. I felt like and I know you know this because you've re- you've read the think pieces, and I know that you will be plugged into this side. No, of Twitter still, I well, want to hear you say it. Yeah, but you you know this idea that like she didn't bring it, like she didn't like bring the house down. It's like we've seen this from her, and like insert clip of her doing some crazy dance performance for like work like mm. ten years ago or something, and it's just exactly what you expect me to say, like this expectation is never put on men like just never ever ever put on men she Mm. still got out there visibly pregnant and performed a select number of songs that was of course going to leave us disappointed because she is such a backpack well i actually everyone is going to be i have no issue no issue with the song selection whatsoever like i mean she's got so many bangers Oh yeah, oh, that's like. a good point. That's a good point. But I quite like the kind of later Rihanna stuff. So I was glad we got like "Bitch Better Have Your Money" and "Pour It Up" and stuff like that. But like, yeah. no, I hear what you're saying. Well, like, interesting to include like all of the lights versus another of her own songs. Like mm. I thought, and I I know they've come out and said that that set list changed like a lot before mm. they settled on that final mm. that final run. I just think, in a way, were we always going to be disappointed because of the weight? Mm. Like. And so then you think of like homecoming or something and you're like, that wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, okay. So here's what I think. I hear your, I hear what you're saying. And I am always impressed by any pregnant woman doing anything. But I went to Glastonbury, a muddy, rainy Glastonbury for five days, six months pregnant. So like my bar is high. And (laughs) yes, 
I realized it was a pilgrimage, guys. I no, I mean seriously, it was a mistake, is what it was. <laughs> and I realized that every pregnant woman is different, but I'm just uh-huh. not so you know, I, like you know, pregnant women are not sick. Like yes, it's obviously yeah. puts major pressure on our bodies, and yes, you know, for some women it can be extremely difficult. But for a lot of women, it's not so difficult. So I'm just, I, you know, I just, I think a lot of people are like, but she's pregnant. And then that's kind of writing yeah, it yeah, off. Yeah. Like, I love but Rihanna. Do we, do we think that was, because I saw a lot of people being like, this is so classic Rihanna, like, don't give a shit energy, like really yeah. low key, like chill vibe. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely the vibe I have from her. Yeah. Like social presence since in the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, was it a decision made based on her pregnancy or are we just kind of putting those two factors together and being like, oh, well, it was lower key See, because she's uh, pregnant. That's what I think is happening. Like, that's what yeah. I think is happening. And, and look, gotcha. like, I think that Rihanna is not that artist anymore with music. I think that's the reality. And I yeah. think if you're not that artist anymore and you're not going to, you know, give it a million percent, which I do not think she did, even taking the pregnancy into account, because if you watch Paris Goebbels has released like videos of her rehearsing and um, the choreography where she's in Rihanna's place doing what Rihanna was like, what the choreography for Rihanna was. And like, it's just like very different. Not, not even just that. Yeah. The, it's not that the moves are different or like that they're more challenging. It's just that like she's just actually trying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just feel like, you know, I've, I don't know why Rihanna decided to do the Super Bowl I'm glad she did I still think she's amazing but I just kind of yeah. think if you're not that arsed anymore just don't do it just like draw a line don't have mm-hmm. everyone kind of hyped up and excited about an album that's never gonna come don't half-ass it like just yeah. say I don't I don't want to do this anymore now I will say I was really interested to learn <laughs> this week that like obviously they don't get paid right and I think people kind of yeah. know that like, every year we like get that trigger of like oh yeah I forget they don't get paid yeah. so they do it for free and my belief was always that they did it for like the prestige of like oh it's Super Bowl halftime and that is like such a yeah. important thing in American culture and that's why people do it but people have been saying this week and I've seen quite a few um references to the fact that the royalties that these artists will make in the kind of week two weeks three weeks after the Super Bowl far outweigh any fee that they could potentially be paid for a show like this mm. which I thought was really interesting because obviously interesting. you know like Google searches will go up Spotify listens will go up Fenty beauty sales will clearly go up like all of that stuff will be impacted yeah. but I didn't I didn't think that it would be comparable to like for example Beyonce did that concert what was it last mm. month or the month four in Dubai for 35 yeah. million like I'm not saying the Super Bowl would pay 35 million but like there's big money to be made mm. and I didn't think that the royalties that they could make would be similar no. to that paycheck. So no, that was interesting. For neither me. did I. I think that is incredibly interesting and yeah. and I'm terrified already of people um, attacking me over this. Guys, no, as you know, stop it now. The lot of is don't be at this crack. It's not worth it. This is right? just, so just an opinion. She's not going to hear. She's not going to hear what this I have to say. Thing. Like I won't actually yeah, hurt her feelings. Uh, Truthfully, though, and she's worth like billions. She doesn't give a shit. Like she's like whatever you think. I don't that's care. The point. That's the point. <laughs> but if you do have an opinion, I am willing to hear it. It's oh eight nine two oh nine six four two three. If you want to send me a voice out, I'm... I personally am not. So don't come into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Brits because that was the other big showbiz event that happened this week, and the yeah. Brit Awards always a party. Mm-hmm. Lots of stories from it this year, wasn't there? Yeah. They were making, and like not all of them good. Like they were making this big deal. I don't know if the ads were playing in Ireland, but here in the Queen's England or the King's England, <laughs> lots of this like, it's on a Saturday. Like all the ads were like, it's the Brits, but on a Saturday. And I was like, Ooh, Jesus, okay. okay. <laughs> Whoa, Saturdays, Ooh, great. <laughs> lots of big deals being made about the move to a Saturday. Um, but yeah, loads of like tepid stories from it. There was nothing that had me like, glued it felt like a lot of like negative stuff you know what I mean like it was a lot of mockery of outfits poor Sam Smith didn't have a chance with his latex inflatable alone truly like leave him alone I think people just give Sam Smith such a hard time and they don't deserve it and and we've talked about this extensively so we don't have to bang on about it on the on on the podcast we talked about it quite a bit last week or the week before but like yeah I really believe a lot of it comes down to I mean obviously there's transphobia and like homophobia there but also I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that Sam's not thin and people just are like don't wear crazy outfits if you don't have a beautiful body or like what they perceive to be a beautiful yeah. body it's wild Absolutely the bandwidth for Sam when he went oh sorry the bandwidth okay. for Sam when they lost the weight when was that like 
five yeah ten years ago yeah like was just different to yeah. what it is now yeah. and the commentary is just so unnecessary like yeah absolutely it, it truly is pointless yeah I found more interesting the fallout after the performance when was it that they struggled to get the set off the stage and it was yeah. like a huge delay yeah there was and some like, issue and they crazy that to play footage of like Adele's performance from last year which like yeah. short changed <laughs> And like, I heard that they that that Sam left like in a huff or apparently afterwards because there was a big like fight about it. I don't know, crazy. Obviously, Harry Styles. Everyone loves Harry Styles. Yes. Harry Styles is a big winner on the night, and everybody was happy for him. And you know, viva Harry Styles. I love him. I'm gonna uh, look. My controversial opinion, like, why? Do you know what I mean? Oh, but he's so like, great. No, do you know what? Love Harry. Love yeah. it. Right. He's given us such happy music, such happy visuals such great TikTok content. It's lovely, right? It is. But like, really? Like all of this? I loved the album though. I actually really thought it was a great album. Like it got nominated for an Ivor Novello. Like it's, you know, it's a genuinely good album. Like deserves to be there. Like absolutely deserves to be listed. Do, do they deserve the award? I just don't know. I feel like when you look at the list and you look at the, I don't know. It's just, it's really okay. interesting to me. Right. The conversation off the back of the Grammys with Beyonce missing out an album of yeah. the year to Harry and his speech that he gave on the night and then the way he flipped his speech for the Brits. And yeah. I don't know, bit of a bit of like, I think he's really well positioned. And I think the PR around him is very, very careful. Yeah. And I think the Brits are aligning themselves with a really big brand and a really positive brand and yeah. a brand that's going to bring in a Gen Z audience yeah. that I imagine the Brits were really focused on bringing in for a televised show on a Saturday night. Yeah, big time. Um, Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night. <laughs> um, so I just, I don't know, it makes the skeptic in me is like, you know, getting all Eminem of like, do you just want to be cool? Like, are you just yeah. trying to, I just don't know. Like, I'm not an expert either. Do you know what I mean? I give everything to Beyonce. So like, you're, whatever, you're, you're here to express your opinion over that and I'm grateful for it. Um, let's have a quick chat about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. Not that I've ever been particularly interested in Megan Fox or Machine Gun Kelly or them as a couple, but I just enjoyed yeah. the way this communication has gone down speaking of Beyonce. So they've yeah. broken up apparently. Yeah, they've really force fed us their relationship, haven't they, over the last few years, like cramming it down our throats. So there was reports that they had split like earlier this week. And then it was like, what's going on? Like, are they separated? What's going on? And then Megan deleted like all of her social posts of Machine Gun Kelly. She shared kind of a cryptic post and then deleted everything off her Instagram. And the cryptic post included a quote from a Beyonce song and it said, you can not you can taste the dishonesty it's all over your breath, which is a song in reference to Jay-Z's yeah. infidelity. Because it's from Lemonade. So everybody was in the comments being like, what do you do? Girl. I can't believe this. Oh my God. <laughs> like, if you can be cheated on, we're all done for and all this kind of crack. And she was like, well, maybe it was me. And I was... Which was, you know what, a what? bit of a fun twist on the narrative. I was like, what? Oh my God. I missed that one. That's crazy. Yeah. I Someone think was it... like, he got with Sophie, who I believe is his guitarist. And she was like, maybe I got with Sophie. Oh, maybe you did. Megan Fox, fair play if you did. But my question is, right, do you remember this now? Because I feel like you will. The reports were that she took her engagement ring off. But we, did we not hear when they got engaged that there was some kind of like... Thorns? Barbed thorns in the ring that meant if she tried to take it off it would like caught her finger we sure did we sure did because i have been wondering about that all week i'm like oh no what about the thorns and it's been referenced nowhere like i've scrubbed the daily mail it's nowhere i'm like what Mm. about the thorns like how is her finger yeah because at the time machine gun kelly told vogue magazine the bonds are actually thorns so if she tries to take it off it hurts so maybe it's just like it hurts and i mean i suppose she's already hurting Um, and i just love that beyonce gave us an easy way to tell the world we've been cheated on all we have to do is quote that album and everybody knows exactly what we're talking about (laughs) Do you know what? I want to see regular, like, everyday Joe Soaps sharing Beyonce lyrics to announce that they've split from their partners. Me too. Like, I want to see, like, my mates from school being like, you know what I mean? Putting it up. I can taste the dishonesty. I'm like, oh, God, what's going on? Absolutely. Like, I, I, want, I want people to start getting celebrity, putting up a big, like, statement on their Instagram stories. I'd love that. Notes like, up. I just yeah. think how stunning to have literally given the world a shorthand for, you know, such a tricky situation. 
she's just Iconic. truly the, a pop culture phenomenon. Do you know what I mean? Just a just well, a gift that keeps on giving. Or would you believe we talk so much about uh, Rihanna that we're done? <laughs> Do you know what, Louise? I would believe that. I actually would. That comes as no surprise to me. Well, thank you so much, Orla Condon. Um, I'm going to let you go because you obviously, you have to go off and um, prepare to watch Love Island and then record my pod on paper. Um, yeah. I see you're in the charts the whole time. So congrats. Um, Casa so Amor much. week. Very yeah. exciting. Very, it's good, isn't it? Because you were on earlier in the season yeah. and we were still at that point, I think a little bit like, are we getting a really good season or mm. what way? And I think I think we're all kind of relieved that we haven't invested in absolute tripe. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, we're getting a reward for our investment and that's all we can ask for with this godforsaken show. So yes, yes. fingers crossed, you know? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the fallout and I'm looking forward to listening to you talk about it. Uh, so you can Thank check you so out much. my pot on paper where you get your podcasts. Orla, thanks a million. Always a joy. Thank you. Just about time for me to go. But before I go, this is where I usually give you recommendations. I do not have loads of recommendations this week. I have been trying to sort out the room of doom in my house. Um, you know, I think lots of us have one. Uh, a room where you can barely go into it because it's just so chaotic in there. And there's an like an office, I'm using in air quotes because we don't use it as an office, but just inside the front door of our house, there is a room that has been, I mean, basically unusable. <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, and um, every time, you know, because it's like the first thing that you see when you walk in the house and it was really starting to get me down. As these things can. And I will say keeping things organized is not something that I am very good at. Um, see my potential ADHD diagnosis. Um, you know, I'm just not good at keeping things kind of organized and tidy. And when you've got kids, it becomes even more difficult. So yeah, it had all gotten a bit on top of me. So I've been trying to get that sorted. It's still not finished because of course, I don't know when, pe when do people have time to like sort things out in their house? just I don't have the time so like over the last three days that's what I've been doing with any bit of spare time really is uh, trying to get in there and get it sorted it may never be finished I mean I don't have great confidence in my ability to finish jobs like that but I'm gonna keep plugging away but anyway that means basically I haven't been watching a lot of tv but I do have a book recommendation I really enjoyed Really Good Actually by Monica Hazy Hazy H-E-I-S-E-Y is how you spell her name I'll put a link in the notes of the show um it's such a good read really relatable like not you know a hard read which is I just don't want to read books where I have to work really hard to read them that's just not it's just not where I am right now um, and it's genuinely funny as well it's just a really fun novel highly recommend it's got a great cover as well so if you want to get yourself an old school hard copy I'd recommend it and um, it's called really good actually very enjoyable Okay, my friends, that is just about it. Time for me to go. A little reminder, the Patreon's there. There's two bonus episodes there already and waiting for you. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be another one going up um, probably Monday evening, if not Tuesday morning. I kind of not on a full schedule yet for the Patreon, but I will get there over the next couple of weeks um, in terms of what time I post. This is boring for you. You don't care. Anywho, that's coming. If you want to sign up, there's a link in the show notes. Um, I would be so grateful for your support. And also, don't forget, if you have thoughts, send them in to me, 089-209-6423 on anything that's come up today. I would love to hear them. And, you know, honestly, you do not have to agree with me. That's absolutely fine. We're not going to agree on everything. So if you have a kind of a different perspective on something, I would, you know, love to hear that because that's how we learn and develop and grow our own opinions on things is from is hearing from lots of different people. So there you go. I am barely functioning at this point. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit hungover. And um, so I'm going to sign off. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you to all of my contributors and thank you to ACAST for having me on the network. I hope you have a great week, but if not, that is okay. As I always say, we will just put one foot in front of the other and we'll make it to next Friday when I'll chat to you then. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one.